Hello, my name is Morgan Gray, and welcome back to the Afrocentric Podcast. Nobody act black and then go home and be white. I got two pistols and a pit bull. Me. That's all I need. It only takes a little bit of white brainwash to activate the cool chip in the average Negro. You think Harriet Tubman was walking around with a fucking nice shiny fucking dress on with a fucking crown on her head when she was taking slaves to freedom? And a lot of white folk have demonstrated eloquently that they don't have no sense. And we are back with the Afrocentric Podcast Season 2. The motherfuckers didn't even think we would get to here. But I am so elated. The title of this episode is called The Cookout. And I am so blessed to be sitting here with Josh Boyd. How are you doing today, Josh? Oh, everything is great. How are you? I'm blessed and highly tailored. Thank you so much for asking. Um, This episode is entitled The Cookout. It's about Black family reunions. This episode will be focusing on the Great Migration and how the Great Migration saw about 6 million African Americans move from the South to cities 
in northern northern and midwest midwest america during the 1950s through the 1970s so we're going to be talking about black southern food traditions the preservation of black soul food traditions the history of soul food as well as the relevance to black cultural identity so i'm i'm excited i'm excited too yeah i think that we are going to be you know having a good time yeah well you know um i enjoy my black culture of course Uh i am black uh fully black nigga black and um you know i was excited when you actually you know contacted me about doing this um i feel important you feel important i feel very important i'm excited we're gonna get into it the record straight on this Good God Almighty, I smell them fucking ribs. Yeah, baby, they good. Ooh. Hey, baby, bro. I need your discriminant tongue to let me know if I'm still on track. You know how it gets down. Give me some bread and a Pepsi yeah. right now. No, no, Get I'm it. cool. I'm, I'm gonna wait on the chicken. Skinless. Why, are you Muslim now? Yeah, what the You're hell? You're a 5%er? Nah. I just adopted a low-fat, high-fiber oh. diet. Bianca and I. Oh, Bianca and I. I know what it is. The black Paris Hilton done sissified you off the pig. That's what's up. It ain't like that, oh. Bullshit. You on that Hollywood shit, nigga. Please, give me, let me see this. You see this swine? It's fine, divine, sublime, and right, right on time. time. <laughs> <laughs> Ma'am, look at that. Some of dipping sauce, baby. Yeah, go on, get, go on, take a little piece of that. Don't be scared. You got on the Kwanzaa outfit now. Go on, get down like you live. Go ahead and take a piece of that. Bye, there. Oh, man. How about a piece, Nelson Mandela? Stop being so scary, man. Farrakhan ain't nowhere around here. Man. What's up, man? Come on. Uh, uh, the, the, the last king from Scotland. Look, with the Forrest Whitaker eye. <laughs> put, look, put a little barbecue sauce on the dead eye. Might jump up out of there. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Damn, damn, damn! Y'all killing me with this! Okay, Josh, before we jump into our topics for this episode, I wanted to introduce a new game that I wanted to do with my interview is, and it is called Fight, Mary Kill, African-American Edition, okay? So this game puts a twist on the classic game, Fuck, Mary Kill concept, and in this game, I'm going to be presenting you with a list of African-American household names, and I want you to choose whether you will fight them, marry them, or kill them. You ready? All right, let's do it. All right, so your list today consists of B.B. King, Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Cicely Tyson. Josh, fight Mary Kill. Mm, well, of course, I'm only going to marry a woman, so. Yeah. Uh, Cicely has to get the business. You're going to beat the dust off that. I'm talking about cobwebs and all. Oh, deterioration. Well, it's not really deteriorated, it's just aged a little bit, like fine wine. My God, even in the grave. I'm telling you. Look, who you going to fight and who you going to kill? BB King. Know. Dwayne Rock Johnson. Dwayne is gonna be hard to kill. I'm telling you, you know, his statue and you know my statue is probably not gonna work. But uh, I'll definitely have to kill him though. I'm gonna try my best to kill Dwayne because you know when it comes to BB King, uh, 
he's a soul artist. I mean, he's 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 all the way black. He he brought the era from you know playing the guitar, you know, the Sicily, uh, to like to fruition. You mm. know what I'm saying I'm I'm good and I, I love music. And uh, growing up, you know, I I listened to him quite a bit, but. I actually am trying to learn how to play the guitar right now. So what I'm hearing is you scared, this is scared of getting your ass beat by Dwayne Rock Johnson. So you gonna kill his uh, ass and BB King, I, he easier to um fight. Well, I, I cause I, you I, a little guy. You're right. You're right. And yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna. You know, what you punching on? A Mario that. punch? No, it's more like a featherweight bag. You know, my god, full of feathers. That's know. powerful. But I mean. At the end of the day, still gonna get that work. You know, it may take a little longer, but Dwayne is gonna get this work. That's powerful. But at the end of the day, you know, it's about you know, like we're here for today is the black culture. You know, it we die off so quickly and you know so vastly to the point where we forget our own selves. And so you know, in that in that concept, like. Of course, I'm definitely going, regardless of what it is, I'm, I'm going to save my black people before I do it. I'll die myself mm. in order to save my black people. Well, thank you so much for playing this game. There was such an intellectual thought you just had there. But let's, let's go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and hop on into these questions. Lord, have mercy. Who wear heels to a family reunion? Hello. Hello, ladies. It's warm out today, isn't it? Mm. Be cool if you had on some regular clothes. <laughs> That's a nice dress, Victoria. Thank you. It's kind of hot, isn't it? <laughs> it's all the rage in Paris. Well, this is hot Georgia. It's not Paris. So we don't wear dressing like that. You look silly. <laughs> Trying to be so bougie. Wee oui, wee, oui, pee pee. Where is everyone? <laughs> <laughs> She's going to need some deodorant. Wee wee. Wee wee. For her booty. My first question to you. Josh, what is the cookout in black culture and what is the significance of the cookout? So um, the cookout is basically, you know, I was thinking about, uh, well, you know, what my my grandparents were used to talk to me about, mm -hmm. um, you know, just being, a, being able to come together and, you know, signify each other's unity together. Um, I, I basically grew up with my grandparents, so... It was a it was a different type of lifestyle for me, um, you know, making sure that anywhere from picking the potatoes out the potato patch all the way down to it's time to eat, go across the street and grab your auntie and whoever else is there to come tell them, you know, it's time to eat. Not just calling, but just go over there. Mm -hmm. So it's like the the physical being of you know how close you are to your family. It, it goes way outside of just regular communication. It's like, you know, the physical communication to, to the mental communication to, you know, acknowledging each other's personalities and, you know, respecting that. So uh, the cookout is, is basically a great, great factor uh, 
that I love. I mean, family reunions, same thing, you know, like being able to come together and uh, know your people. I think the most interesting thing about the concept of the cookout or black family reunions is the idea of it being a safe space. Like it's a place where black people can come together and it's not just family members. It can be fucking neighbors, you know, significant others within the family and people can come together and bond. And when I think of the cookout or a black family reunion, it is only within our culture, African-American culture, where we have something that's so relevant and prevalent to like what, what it is. I like the fact that we have our own culture when it comes to like the variety of foods that we have and the selection thereof. And it's something that we will get more into as we get further into this episode but it really is just a safe place where niggas can just nigga and they can do niggly things whether they be on a conservative side or a liberal side there is a set standard and a set place where the cookout is a place for us to simply just be and i like that yeah, yeah definitely um i mean to be, you know, your own culture, because we're so um, fascinated by what the social media always have to offer. And, you know, we're just kind of sitting back like, well, maybe this is the social norm. But, you know, in, in reality, that's the social norm for a certain selective group of people that's always on the news or, you know, they're always kind of, you know, looking at what's the next best trend. And nobody never thinks about who is behind it mm. you know we're already struggling as a race to get ahead if not be ahead and to be on top of that not being able to express our own culture within certain programs or certain you know even commercials on tv you know like you saw it in the past that you know people mistaken you know black people for something that a white person done you know, like you got to be able to define the two. And as a, you know, as us being black, like we're losing it, you know, we're, we're really, you know, but we're trying to gain it at the same time. But, you know, it just depends on what side of the spectrum you're looking at. I think it's interesting that you brought it up because I don't think that we're losing it necessarily. I think we have to give credit to the evolution of black culture. Now there is always this idea of, what is it called when black people take something that already exists within our community and we revamp it um and you see this a lot within musical spaces but especially with our generation specifically when it comes to ideas like the cookout or family reunions it's taking these older practices because you have to remember and for those who don't know the cookout was created as enslaved African-Americans played this huge part of spreading barbecue technology across the United States during enslavement. So we're taking this very somewhat old idea and making it evolve and modernize it to fit the times now. There's nothing like sparking up the grill and playing some music to get everybody in a good mood. And to no one's surprise, Black people's relationship with barbecues dates back centuries. In a world where there's so much going on, being able to kick back and converse with family and friends is one thing that helps keep Black people together. Barbecues and cookouts are rooted in Black culture. 
In the late 1400s, Taino tribes in the Caribbean were known for their slow cooking technique on wooden boards. The term used to describe the process was known as barbacoa, which would later be referred to as barbecue in America. And the technique's history didn't stop there. During enslavement, black people were forced to cook for their captors, whether it be on a wooden grill, bonfire, or similar types of traditional wood charcoal burning sources. But barbecuing back then wasn't as fun as it is now. Barbecues were a physically demanding job, having to chop wood as well as butcher, process, and cook animal meat. But as we continue to gain those culinary skills, throughout the years, barbecues evolved into a celebration for our people. Cookouts may seem like only holiday celebrations, but that activity is rooted in African and Caribbean culture. The same fire that stoked our ancestors' fight for freedom also ties us together across the globe. So fire up the grill and celebrate. What can you tell us about the Great Migration and the impact it has had on Black families as well as Black family reunions? So, um, you know, the Great Migration, you know, of course, coming from slavery, um, coming from the East Coast, basically, um, you know, we were stripped from our backgrounds and put into a different lifestyle that we have to fight and adjust to. Um, you know, the culture was strong, you know, until we started getting sold off in slavery and, you know, started dividing the family up, basically. But, you know, it was great that some people were still able to hold on to that, you know, able to keep those connections routed. Most definitely. So for those who don't know, the Great Migration, like I said, took place between the 1950, 1950 through 1970s. And what it was was the mass movement of African-American people it, after um Black people were liberated from enslavement. So Black people migrated up north from the south in droves. And what is now known as extremely diverse populations of cities that have large amounts of African-American people. So you see this with Harlem, St. Louis. You're going to see this with Chicago. And especially for those who are here in Mississippi or places like Mississippi, Louisiana, uh, Tennessee, they're called Black Africa because these are the places in which African-Americans originally were from because a lot of the slave docks were down here. So what the experience that we're talking about is the migration of African-American people up north. OK, so I think that the Great Migration has such a significant impact on Black families. And as a result, it has such a significant impact on black family reunions and what are what are your thoughts on that uh when it comes to you know the the migration and family reunions um you know you have some flam families that are strong you mm -hmm. know and then you have some families that are, are weak and it just really you know takes upon yourself to want to keep that togetherness um you know even with my family, I mean, we've, you know, since our grandparents passed, you know, we still try to do things to keep that bond together. Cause you know, at the end of the day, you know, you grew up with these people, you know, you broke bread with everybody, like y'all slept in the same bed. And, and you know, it was, it's, it's a certain type of bond that, you know, nowadays people don't really get anymore. And it, it really, you know, can be a detrimental factor when it comes to, 
people, you know, splitting or, you know, not even knowing that the lady or man that you may be talking to is basically your family member. Yeah. And that's interesting because, you know, down here in the South, everybody fucking related. Then, you know, one messed up and you fucking your 15th cousin on your daddy's side, you know. Exactly. Uh-huh. Exactly. And, you know, I've I've always heard also that there are, you know, so far down the line, you know, to before you're considered not kin um but it's still just good to know you know like maybe they aren't that far down the line you know your babies could turn out retarded and that's you know that's a tragedy you know anything could happen and so you know knowledge is power Mm. you know and you can always take that and run with it so for me you know definitely like i'm gonna sit you down you know we're gonna you know make sure we follow that that timeline because i don't want to be rooted in my roots just me i want to be able if i'm talking to you you know you have to make sure you know your side of the line as well very much so so when we're thinking about the great migration and family reunions i think that the importance of it is the fact that the family reunions in so many ways were the glue that kept these families together after the migration so although we have migrated to these certain parts of the united states because we have a reunion that's already set i will always come back and visit my ancestral lands i always come back and check on my family and give my the rest of my family an opportunity to meet the people that they don't know and create memories Mm-hmm. As well as like ancestral veneration and stuff like that. So I think that that shit is super interesting. The Great Migration was the relocation of more than 6 million Black Americans from the rural South to cities of the North, Midwest, and West from about 1916 to 1970. After the Civil War and the Reconstruction era, racial inequality persisted across the South during the 1870s, and the segregationist policies known as Jim Crow soon became the law of the land. Black Southerners were still forced to make their living working the land due to Black codes and the sharecropping system, which offered little in the way of economic opportunity. And while the Ku Klux Klan had been officially dissolved in 1869, the KKK continued underground after that, and intimidation, violence, and lynching of Black Southerners were not uncommon practices in the Jim Crow South. When World War I broke out in Europe in 1914, industrialized urban areas in the North, Midwest, and West faced a shortage of industrial laborers. With war production kicking into high gear, recruiters enticed Black Americans to come North to the dismay of white Southerners. In the decade between 1910 and 1920, the Black population of major Northern cities grew by large percentages, including New York, Chicago, Philadelphia, and Detroit. During the Great Migration, Black people began to build a new place for themselves in public life, actively confronting racial prejudice as well as economic, political, and social challenges to create a Black urban culture that would exert enormous influence in the decades to come. I think that it's interesting when we're talking about the Great Migration that I wanted to introduce the idea of the migration back or this idea of African-American families that migrated up north, especially towards the end of the 1980s and going forward into the 1990s, where black families would make it, they would make it a moment to make sure that they brought their children back to the state in which their original families came from. So it would give them the opportunity to learn about their heritage 
to learn about their black culture and as well as to spend time with those who were lived back in ancestral land. So they spend a lot of times with grandparents and aunties and uncles. And we see this in a lot of different movies, especially that were created like in the early 2000s. And we also know this to be true with the story of Emmett Till, whose mama, Mammy Till, sent her son back to Money, Mississippi during the summer from Chicago. So this is something that happened very frequently, but as time has passed, it's a practice that a lot of African-American people have not been doing in the last decade or so. And it's creating this tension or divide between Southern African-American people and Northern African-American people, the way that they look at their heritage and their culture. So you were speaking earlier and you were talking about like the loss of culture. And I just wanted to see if this is like what you were talking about. Well, um, you know, in a, in a certain way it is, um, you know, being divided, not because of, you know, you want to be, but it's just the fact that you're trying to get away from oppression. You know, you're trying to get away from um, certain things that you feel like is not right mm-hmm. and you want to be treated equal. So, you know, you And have... they also moved out for better opportunities too. Exactly, exactly. So um, just to be able to kind of get away, um, you know, sometimes it is lost sight because, you know, you're trying to free yourself, but not lose yourself. And... Um, I, I, I kind of feel like, you know, the reunion is a great, you know, to tie together the great, the great I am. I mean, for us to say, hey, you know, I still have family that's in a certain part of the South that one day that we could possibly visit, um, you know, during that time, they was just like, maybe not now, but there's always a time that we could probably go back and actually be able to fellowship with them at least one more time. You know? Very much so. And you know how much niggas love matching shirts and color combinations. So, like, <laughs> I just love that for us. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> Slap me on the shirt. I've been acting brand new. Wow. They always say, like, in the summertime, black folk don't act right. It's not that black folk don't act right in the summertime. It's just that black folk come to their senses when it's warm. Because if that were true, Los Angeles would always be in an uproar. What happens is when you're in a warm climate in New York City, those memories are reinvigorated. Those ideas come together. You visit your family more often. You eat the fruits that you used to eat back home. You start to think. And when people try to dominate you, you start saying, wait a minute, no. No, psychologically, we go back to ourselves when we're in the climate that we left. Okay, Josh, so what are some of the traditional black Southern dishes that are typically served at the cookout or family reunions and what are their significance to black culture? So, um, man, um, there's so many. I got beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, lamb, rams, hogs, dogs, chicken, turkeys, rabbits, you name it! There's always the barbecue, you know, part of aspect of it. Um, I mean, I always thought about, you know, the barbecues, barbecue just came from, you know, us being enslaved and using, utilizing whatever we scraps we had. So, you know, especially for us being workers, we had all the resources and tools, you know, to kind of grab this information, process it, and then turn it into a delicacy. Um, when I think about barbecue, I just think about the history of it. It goes back to when this country was formed. Barbecue is from slaves, period. 
The slave masters, all they wanted was the loin and they wanted the ham. Everything else they considered garbage and they just gave that to their slaves. The slaves, they took these cuts, the shoulders, the ribs, and they made succulent, great barbecue. Doing all right, being a black pit master, I'm still repping what started from humble beginnings. That goes to my lineage, that goes to the history of how barbecue was formed in this country. I mean, you know, as far as some sweet potato pies, mm -hmm. you know, that was that was always a favorite of mine, to peach cobbler. Um, you know, actually a lot of these things, we just, you know, if you think about it, they kind of stumbled upon them because like I said before, a lot of it was scraps, you know. A lot of it was something that we just have to turn into a fabulous dish, you know. I think that that is very true, but I think that it's also important for us as Black people not to like focus so much of the trauma that comes from like the creation of these dishes because of the having less than its food. Because as well as as much as they did not have as many, like have, have as much access to food as they may have wanted to, a lot of the dishes that are created, like we were talking about sweet potatoes, they come from the fact that African Americans were trying to also reconnect to their heritage back in Africa. So like in Africa, they might have yams. And then they come to America where there's a different type of like agricultural system and um, different foods and they find something so similar to it. And then they take that tradition and they recreate it into something that is Americanized, but still connects them to their heritage and roots. So that's where you see like the implementation of sweet potatoes and candy yams because you see the implementation of like yam and African cultures like pound, pound of the yam. Mm -hmm. You ever had this shit before? Oh. So, like, the Africans, they'll take, like, fucking yams. Like, they'll dry them real good and add yeast to it. And they'll just pound it. Pound town. Just left pound town. Left my nigga. He just took a bitch down. Turn it into, uh, like, a bread dough substance. Mm -hmm. So, anytime that they're eating, like, soup or some shit like that, they'll just pinch off the dough and just scoop it up with their hands and okay. shit like that. Yeah. So also even traditions with motherfuckers using their hands to eat food and stuff because um there's a cultural significance that relates us back to Africa too. How do you ever wonder why more black people don't eat pumpkin pie? Well, the answer to that centers around identity politics and the South's hate for the North during the Civil War. The introduction of sweet potatoes to Western Africa in the 16th century was a very slow process. Initially, root vegetables such as cassava and yams were preferred over sweet potatoes. However, after the transatlantic slave trade, which helped spread the popularity of sweet potatoes in Europe and the Americas, it was only then that the African-American community started using sweet potatoes because of their convenience. Western Africa is a yam-based culture. While sweet potatoes are not the same thing as a tropical yam, enslaved people embraced them as a substitute in the absence of true yams. Before they had sweet potato pie, they had something called sweet potato pound, which is a corruption of the Native American word for baked bread. Enslaved people were eating roasted sweet potatoes cooked in the embers of fire and started spicing and mashing up sweet potatoes. As they got access to cooking technology and equipment like ovens, they started adding pie fillings and the sweet potato pie was born. 
after slavery was abolished, African Americans began to migrate away from the southern United States in what was referred to as the Great Migration. During this time period, many African Americans brought along one of their favorite dishes, sweet potato pie, and it was introduced to other regions of the country. I just think that things like hush puppies are a great example of food created down here in the South and the historical context behind it. Because do you know the story behind the hush puppies? Well, you know, um, they've always said, the stories I've heard um, was, you know, they created the hush puppies for when they were running to freedom. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they were they were considered something that would throw the dogs off their trail. So they would have them in their pocket and drop them every now and again, just or throw them to kind of, help them get away to the north or to freedom and know. they would tell the puppies what hush puppy hush shh, be quiet <laughs> don't bother me or even shit like fucking fried chicken which is a staple i seen some fucking white british children try fried chicken and biscuits for the first time and this shit almost blew their goddamn mind south you'll often have it with southern fried chicken yes <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yes. <laughs> I love my chicken. You can dip some in the gravy and see what it's like together. It's gonna be lovely. Mmm. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> yes. It's just violating the chicken. <laughs> I, want to, I want to taste the chicken, man. Oh, wow, full rub. <laughs> it actually makes me happy. I'll go. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, when when your taste buds are thriving, they'll, they'll probably latch on to some soul food. Very much that. They was like, "Is this a biscuit? It was flat." What is this? And they tried gravy with it for the first time, and I thought this shit was really, really fire. Mm. But the overall point of this conversation is the fact that these dishes are significant, like you said, because it reflects the trauma and hardships that we went through as enslaved people, and these are traditions that were passed on. Also, these traditions are significant because they're rooted in the history and traditions of Black cuisine in america and with southern comfort food because all of it is just intertwined with one another really right right um it's 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 a sight to see when you actually get behind the, the enemy lines and get to see them put that soul into that food oh my gosh man you be thinking you'd be a diabetic at the end of the day you know we all got that one auntie that got that little fat between um her elbows and when it jiggle you know that bitch putting her motherfucker soul in that food Everybody. she put both of her feet in that pot of greens and they had every corn on every toe and that i did want to take this time to discuss a little bit more about the history of soul food and the relevance of black culture and cultural identity as well as to talk about some of the stuff that we do participate in family reunions like Number one, this is my question to you, Josh. You are from Mississippi, but where did your family migrate to? Where you got family at throughout the Americas? Oh, uh, you talking about now or back in the day? Whatever you want to talk about. So, you know, back in the day, we came from Georgia. This is hot Georgia. Uh, on one of my mom's side. So, uh, coming from Georgia and leading up to Alabama, which brought us to Starkville, um, it's, it's been, you know amazing um to hear that story and then from here you know we have family that's moved to i mean chicago um texas i mean all the way up to new york 
Uh, I mean, just about every, you know, every state, you know, every state, if you're thinking about extended family as well. Okay. So when you thinking about, when was the last time your family has had a family reunion or you went to a family reunion? So we had one right pre-COVID actually. Um, and it was, you know, it was during that time where people started to hear about COVID. So, you know, a lot of people kind of made the decision that they would go and would not go. Um, but at the end of the day, the people that came, you know, we still had a ball. Okay. This is what I wanted to ask you. So on social media, there's a slew, a plethora, a battalion, a, a huddle of white people that always want to be invited to the cookout. And I just wanted to know if you had any words for them. And I wanted to know if you was sending off and inviting the white people to the cookout. Is they invited to your cookout? Get you a spouse of the uh, opposite race. My God, why would you encourage them to go do something like that? Well, it's not the fact that, you know, I'm encouraging them, but you find where you feel comfortable at. You know, never take a... A position in life where you're not comfortable so I say that to say that if you know the opposite race wants to stay where they at that's fine too mm. if you want to take a step out there and you know see what's on the other side you can do that as well but make sure if you do you know there's going to be some things that come with it you say a lot of real fancy words but I don't feel like I you got to the root because is they or is they not bringing the the potato salad with the raisins in because niggas want to know oh i mean if if you speaking on the fact that can they bring something to the tray of table like the table and and put it on the table with the food food and everything well you know um hey Sometimes they can make some good stuff too. So I My mean, God. at the end of the day, name three things that they can make real good that they can bring to the cookout. We'll see. Uh huh. Come on. Uh, it depends on the race. Firstly, uh, we talk um, about the white but, race, okay, the best race. Because okay. if it ain't white, Josh, it ain't right. I'm gonna tell you that right now. If it ain't white, it ain't right. It ain't white. It okay. ain't right. Well, you if know. it's white, it's close to holiness. Well, I'm gonna tell you right now that uh, they it's it's a difference. Um, uh-huh. never had gator before. You gator? Yep. Oh. And I've never known a black oh. person to get out there and hunt gator. My nigga, you ain't never been to Louisiana, have you? No. That's what I'm telling you. My dad from Louisiana, them niggas hunt anything that crawl, move, or shit. Okay? Well, and we gonna put it in a batter and deep fried and set it out for the family. Well, I mean, at the same time, um, I guarantee you that they're all about survival. Mm. So they leaving off the land. I mean, at the end of the day, you got to think about it. We have been through some things ourselves, but you know, they have too. I mean, you, you know, know, that's a white man game. White men love to hunt for sport. That's that's what they've been doing for generations, eons. And there you years. go. So that's why they know about unknown creatures. Uh-huh. We don't mess with unknown creatures. No. We're gonna leave the unknown creature where it's at, mm-hmm. and, and we, we don't care how much it tastes. Thank you. But you still didn't answer my question. They may bring something to the cookout that's actually we don't know about it and it could be good. Like what? And then you can't say that we don't like to try new things. No, nah, most niggas don't. I don't know. It's niggas in the hood that had the same fucking haircut for the last 32 years. You're right, Been to the you're same right. barber. But that doesn't make a person. 
No, it don't. But it may. What makes a meal? That's what we trying to get to the bottom. Whatever, of it. whatever makes my stomach stop grubbling. Oh, it's gonna stop grubbling. It's gonna start reversing whatever you put down in there. Um, white people, y'all stay in y'all neck of the woods. Y'all can't come to my cookout. <laughs> it is time to stop inviting white people to the cookout for the bare minimum, for any reason at all. Did you forget the history of their picnic? How our bodies became their delicacy? A southern comfort tradition in the searing of our skin, falling off the bone, burned and baked and barbecued to the white meat show how we hung, roped over fire pits, glazed eyes and well done. Did you forget your seat was never at their table? That your only contribution was consumption? A casualty to be devoured and swallowed whole how they set our ancestors ablaze? Black bodies dismembered and deboned how America made ritual of this kind of roast, yet refuses to digest her own history, rather wash her hands of the blood and call that a cleansing the cookouts is not for everyone how it is okay for something to just be ours a commemoration of our survival a celebration of our surviving a feast of black congregation and fellowship of aluminum foil and finger foods we are allowed to exist in a space full of ourselves we are owed this freedom so how can we ensure the future generations continue to celebrate the cookout and black family reunions as a whole? Now, this is what I was talking about earlier about um, going into the fact that sometimes I feel like we're going backwards. Um, you know, you don't get too many people that's passionate to, you know, not often. I mean, you know, I'm not saying this is a... a 100% thing, but you don't get too many people that are of the younger age that, you know, care about family like most older generations do, um, unless they grew up in a tightly knit home where they're all together and they've actually done these certain practices uh, throughout their younger lives. But, I mean, you know, broken up families, broken up homes, single mother, single father homes, I mean, I, you know, those type of people have to live a certain different type of lifestyle, a certain type of way. And it only takes for them to add that one extra load because, of course, you're not in a, you know, two-parent household. But you have to take that extra load on and sometimes it gets missed. And not just in the single-parent household, but it, it sometimes gets missed in the double-parent household as well. I feel like, I agree with you, I feel like within every family or within every generation within every family, there's always one. There's always one that is willing to put the bullshit aside and to help bring, you know, the people together. Like, is that your role in your family? Because I personally feel like that's the role that I play in my family. I feel like if anybody going to get the bitches back together and get the band together, it's going to be me. Well, you know, um... I, I say that everybody do have a role in, in playing uh, when it comes to everybody coming back to uh, the family reunion. My role is to be informative. My role is to be helpful in any type of way I oh, can. Oh, you came to run your mouth. That's what I heard. I came to support as hard as I can support ever that I can support it till the support dies and they put me in the grave. Nigga, what? How do that help the family reunion? Because you know, it always take that one person to be like, "Yeah, you know, I'm going to family reunion. Why are you going to family reunion, man? That cool, that cool dude, Josh, gonna be there, man. And I'm know he go if he there, it's gonna be a party. So you know, or it's gonna be like, you know, I can, I got conversation with him, or you know, he he's the he's the one that I want to come see. You know, I want to be that type of person. It's like, man. 
if he ain't there, man, like, I don't know who, but see, when we do get to the fair union, even though I may be the person that they come in to see, I still get a chance to introduce them to the elders that I know or like the people that I grew up with because one day I'm not going to be here. And so, therefore, I need to be the liaison between you and keeping you connected with not just me because I'm cool or whatever. It's because I'm trying to show you that this is your family. This is the people that you rely on, just like you want to rely on me to come and say, hey, I know I'm going to have a good time. Well, don't forget about the other people in your family as well. Don't forget about, you know, you know, my mom's cousin and, you know, this, you know, sister wife or, you know, something like that, whatever it may be. You know, just say, hey, that memory was the most cherishable. And this is why I'm going to keep coming back to the reunion because of this, you know, moments that I cherish. Josh, this is beautiful and all, but baby, can you grill? Can you get up and put that meat up on that grill like that? Are you serious? Yes. I will barbecue breakfast. I, you barbecue. You know you can barbecue breakfast, could you? I seen niggas eating shrimp and egg tacos early in the morning. And you know shrimp and, and egg tacos has nothing on barbecue breakfast. That's, that's, that's very niggly. That's powerful. Though. Barbecue breakfast. Everybody a fan for breakfast food. I know you. I know it. My God. And you gonna barbecue it? You gonna barbecue it? Cholesterol on a thousand. On on a thousand? Popping high blood pressure pills like a motherfucker. Man, I'm floating down the river like Uncle Bean. I'm just saying though, because these young niggas, they they want, they know what's so bad they want in a woman. But I don't know if these niggas can really, you know, get up on that grill. If they can put that hat on and put them sandals on and get to work, put that towel over their shoulder and dab their sweat off their forehead, can these young niggas do that? They can't even stand Or can the they heat. just make a gif and put it on Twitter? What they doing? They can't even stand the heat. All they got is heat in their hands trying to kill, kill I another said, person. You said heat on their breath and I be smelling it, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. And their breath or in their hands? But to expound on this conversation a little bit more, I do feel like it is the women and it's always the black women who are typically responsible for pulling stuff like that together. I just want to encourage men to do more because it's not always going to fall on the shoulders of black women, especially now with black women. I feel like bitches is getting tired. Bitches is becoming restless. They don't want to do that work like they used to do it. And, you know, that's something that we have to work within our community about. But I don't, I don't, I can't, I don't feel like I very often see black men taking it upon themselves to unite, not just the immediate family, but the extended as well. Well, um, you know, the, the immediate family is kind of a given, you know, so I, I really can't speak to that because, um, you're with those people every day, you know, you're always surrounded by your immediate family more than you will your extended. Uh, but to kind of reach out to your extended family, you know, people always say they want to get ahead in life, but you know, you got to start with your extended family. Like they have connections, you know, you're right. You're right. Everywhere. Them niggas do come to them family reunions and be, um, and, and, and introducing their children to the other siblings that they didn't know exist. Hey, I can put it even closer. That's than powerful. That. I can put it even closer to that. You got people, uh, where, uh, marijuana is legal now, mm. but not everywhere. Mm-hmm. Where you going? So therefore, you know, there's always that one person in the family that smokes. 
And if you go on a family reunion that goes from state to state, I guarantee you somebody there got to connect. We ain't, if, how are we going to handle the weed, but we ain't going to have no food to eat after? Like, I'm like, come on now. You going to have that too. All you talking about is brisket. It, it, I'm talking about everything that you can think about when you go into a family reunion. I guarantee you that somebody has a connection to it and they'll make it happen. Food. Somebody has got some money that's going to put towards it. Make sure everybody got some food in their mouth. You got to cook. That person's going to make sure any food that's being brought is going to taste good. You got that person that loves the games. So they're going to bring the, you know, uh, soccer and, you know, the baseball and football games or hacky sack or, you know, sack run, Warner Bros. Yeah, yeah. Then you got another person that's going to come through and be like, well, I got music. I'm the DJ, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the fascinating thing about when you bring it all together. Uh, Everybody is playing their own particular role, you know, and that's why I was kind of referring that to earlier about, you know, coming to the coming to the reunion is like a fascinating thing because everybody, even though we may not see each other on a daily basis or, you know, kind of have that connection, but we know that we are our own people and when we do get together, it's going to be a party. That's beautiful. And I feel like you really did hit on the truth essence of this episode as well as like focusing on the modernization of it because shit is not going to always be the same. You know, Aunt Louise and Uncle Melvin not always going to be here to keep pass that baton on and it does not have to be an exact replica, but as long as the spirit and the essence as well as the space and the liberation to be oneself truly black and comfortable i think that is the whole purpose of the um family reunion to bring and keep traditions alive and bring families alive so i just think it's beautiful and i feel like niggas is the only ones that be doing it then ain't nobody gonna do it better than the niggas especially niggas at night man i'm telling you is we just gotta be able to break that barrier you know we gotta be able to bring it back and and you know you always get people that don't do something all because they feel like they don't want to do it but sometimes you gotta you know saying break your pride down to the side and actually be able to you know adjust to different people even though you don't want to but i mean it's gonna do you something great in the future that's nice that's powerful And my name is Chico Bean. We took this white boy to the strip club last night and he nutted all in his jeans. At the family reunion, who we introducing? Who we introducing? This my cousin here and her lashes are killer. This my cousin here, and her lashes are killer. But hold on, wait a minute. On your eye, it's a caterpillar. 
Shout out to the slaves. Yeah, shout out to the slaves. You feel me? Shout out to Harriet Tubman. That shout was out to a real nigga. Shout out to them Mississippi niggas. Yeah, yeah. Shout, shout out to them Mississippi. Mississippi yeah, big penitentiary tractor dra- dragon ass niggas. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they, they don't talk loud. They whisper. Dangerous niggas whisper. And shout out again to all those people who hate my guts. Y'all are doing a justice and an effort to the world. Keep breaking these men down one at a time. Shout out LGBTQ. You are obsessed and sick. The big black shout out, the blackest shout out in the world. The big black shout out is an opportunity to help circulate the black dollar back into our communities and for audience members to explore black owned hidden gems. So, Josh, I just wanted to ask you, who would you like to shout out today? Well, uh, you know, first and foremost, I want to shout out God. You know, he's here to my life. Uh, You know what I'm saying? So, if you ain't got him as a black owned company then you need to start with that first uh but you know i also heard about this uh one place it's called paradise and paint uh paint and sip uh be looking out for that it's supposed to be coming soon to starkville um basically it's uh paint and sip you know and um it's owned by two two women um and uh i think it's gonna be a, a real great great thing to have in Star Wars like yeah there is uh yeah bitches love to paint and sip and giggle they <laughs> really make giggle. them happy um who are the women do you know who the women are who are uh, one of them one of them name is Tia Collier okay Tia shout and out then, to Tia oh yeah and definitely and um then she has a, a friend named Lex oh shout out to Lex love that for them black women yeah. where can we find them online so we can come and sip and um paint and be married oh uh, well you know firstly you can just follow me at Mr. Bowtie and the number three. M R B O W T I E and the number three. And then I'll be able you'll be able to get more information there. Oh wow. Y'all heard it here. Mr. Bowtie three. He gonna hook y'all up with some lucrative juices and some paint and pastel watercolors. You got some more information for the people. Oh yeah, yeah. So you know I went also went to school with uh, you know one of my colleagues um you know she does a great job in her you know endeavors you know and you can find her on instagram as well uh damn gina's fit um that's damn.gina.fit she actually has her own uh she's you know weed scientist a weed scientist uh, a weed scientist weed as in marijuana no 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 actually like weed that's being cultivated in the agriculture field how was i supposed to know well you know there's different terminologies and a lot of people don't know that you know they just go straight to what's you know what they know but they don't know that the world is a little bigger than that so uh, she actually has uh, a lot of things going on actually she has her she's an owner uh, of a fitness jumpsuit and she does fitness as well Mm. so um you know anybody that's trying to uh get fit and get ripped but also look nice at the same time uh you can definitely follow her as well um she's been rocking with her for a long time Mm. and um she's she's she has a a pretty big fan base and uh i mean she has a couple of businesses that are off the ground rocking i mean great business what you said her social media was uh so you can find her at damn.gina.apparel uh that's her apparel page uh that's d-a-m-n dot gina g-i-n-a dot apparel yes well shout out to the skinny bitches shout out to all the fit and ripped and muscular niggas we love that um exercise um with caution Oh yes, definitely, definitely. And then you know, one uh one last one, I have my own that's called R and B Husbandry. What's that? 
so uh, it, it we have apparel that goes on with that um you know it's kind of like a start out but it's basically a, a business that develops culturalized land so we make sure that we go out we can look at the land we can make sure that uh if you need any improvements um how do you like to situate the land as far as landscaping um you know there's always a consultant for that and you know for land and black people is scarce so you know actually having a, a person that you can kind of find out hey i'm looking for some land or i'm looking for help when it comes to how to develop a parcel that i just paid for i just bought you know they want to get that consulting or you know they may have crop protection like you know they want to see how to you know further their crop business you know uh you can also look for it there as well well shout out to you say the name of your business again oh so it's r and b husbandry r a n d b h u s b a n d r y yes now if you or someone you know has a black owned business make sure that you are emailing me at the afrocentric podcast so we can give you guys the biggest blackest shout out emailing me at afrocentric podcast at gmail.com Some say Adam could never be black Cause a black man never shares Josh, I want to thank you so much for spending time with me today Um, Thank you so much for imparting your wisdom When it comes to black culture, black identity The black great migration As well as family reunions and the cookout um, before we go, I just wanted to ask you if there's anything you would like to say to the black community before I let you go. Um, you know, if I had something to say to the black community, man, I would say, you know, never give up. Um, keep on dreaming because um, there's always something in life that's made for you, no matter where your mindset may be or mindset may go. Uh, just know that you can believe in it and you can achieve it. Um, it's, it's possible, of course, by keeping the number one God first. And then after that, you know, you can, you know, let the, let your dreams fly. That's powerful. I love that. Um, I want to thank you again for choosing to be Afrocentric. Now, for my listeners, thank you for choosing to be Afrocentric today. Now, I want to remind you guys that Black Lives Matter. I want you guys to be listening and protecting Black women and children. And remember that the only thing that you must do in this lifetime is be Black and die. And here at the Afrocentric Podcast, we're just civilized people having civilized conversations. We'll talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye. Is this what we paid for? What is she talking about? I'll tell you what she's talking about. This is the first family reunion we have had in five years. On Ruby, she's 96 years old. 96. Family reunions are about uniting. Bring together the young and the old. 
singing and dancing and thanking God, giving him the glory, thanking him for getting us over. As we marched up the road this afternoon, what we saw were young men gambling, fighting, cussing, women with no clothes on, gyrating all over on this land. Do you see this shack? The man and woman who were born here gave birth to this generation. They were slaves. They work this ground. But they bought it from the widow of the slave owner. And that's the kind of blood we have running through our veins. That's the stock that we are made of. What happened to us? What happened to us? I mean, who are you? Do you know who you are? What happened to the pride and the dignity and the love and respect that we had for one another? Where did it go? And how? How do we get it back? I'm going to tell you. Young black men, take your place. We need you. Your sons and daughters need you. Did you understand what I just said? You were sold off and had no choice. Yes, but now it's time to stay. Take your place. Now, starting now, starting now. Young black women, you are more than your thighs and your hips. You are beautiful, strong, powerful. I want more from you. Take your place. I want every single one of you. Young man, young woman, turn to the next person standing alongside of you. Grab them and hug them and tell them that you love them. Tell them if you need anything, come to me. If you need somebody to talk to, come to me. I'll give you the shoulder. I'll give you the hug. I'll feed you. I'll clothe you if you need it. That's how you start. From this moment, when you leave this reunion today, you take that with you. God bless you all. God bless you.